In the first reading, as with Noah, God makes an everlasting covenant with Abraham and Sarah. God promises this old couple that they will be the ancestors of nations, though they have no children together. God will miraculously bring forth new life from Sarah's womb. The name changes emphasize the firmness of God's promise. A reading from Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abraham, Abram fell on his face and said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm for the day is read responsibly. You who fear the Lord, give praise. All you of Jacob's line, give glory. Stand in awe of the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. For the Lord does not despise nor abhor the poor in their poverty. Neither is the Lord's face hidden from them. But when they cry out, the Lord hears them. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord give praise. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow before the Lord. God. Dominion belongs to the Lord who rules over the nations. Indeed, all who sleep in the earth shall bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust, though they be dead, shall kneel before the Lord. The descendants shall serve the Lord, whom they shall proclaim to generations to come. They shall proclaim God's deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying to them, the Lord has acted. In the second reading, Paul presents Abraham as the example for how a person comes into right relationship with God, not through works of the law, but through faith. Though Abraham and Sarah were far too old for bearing children, Abraham trusted that God would accomplish what God had promised to accomplish. A reading from Romans. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, 
but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of nations, according to what was said. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who was who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand as you are able to receive the Holy Gospel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to teach him, teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of these words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 
The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So here are some humorous sayings um, from a self-assured perspective. I can only please one person per day. Today is not your day. Tomorrow isn't looking very good either. I don't have an attitude problem. You have a perception problem. Don't hate yourself in the morning. Sleep till noon. You don't know how hard it is to find humorous stories about the cross, about giving up oneself and taking up the cross and following Jesus. It just doesn't make for good humor. But I can talk about what we're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be self-assured, self-centered people. Jesus talks about giving up self, giving up life, but uh, the word is psyche in, in Greek. So to give up self and follow Jesus, to take up one cross, one's cross and follow Jesus. It sounds really harsh. Was Jesus in a bad mood? Well, perhaps he was because he knew his mission. His mission was to go to the cross, that his glory came through the destruction of the cross. The destruction of the cross would lead lead to eventual glory, and Peter didn't like that idea. After all, things were going really well at this time. You might remember in, in Mark's gospel, Jesus is healing people and casting out demons. People are rejoicing because here's the Messiah, they think. Here's someone who's going to put down the authorities, lift up the lowly, heal every infirmity. Things are going really well. And this is Jesus' first prediction of the cross He says to his disciples and to Peter, I must die. I must suffer horribly and die and on the third day rise from the dead. says Peter takes him aside. Peter, who has become kind of self-important. You know, I love Peter and Mark because he's impetuous, but he always gets it wrong. Before this passage, we have Uh, The confession of Peter, where he says, where Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. He does the true confession. And then we have this passage where things are looking great, right? Here's the Messiah. Things are, this is the best thing ever. Israel will, be, will reclaim its sovereignty. The good times are back. Here's the Messiah, what we've been waiting for, our ancestors, for hundreds of years. And Jesus says, I have to die. So Peter rebukes him and says, 
God forbid it. This must not happen to you. And what's Jesus' reply? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. My goodness, couldn't Jesus have been a little bit kinder than that? Or was Satan, had Satan take a hold, taken a hold of, of Peter at that moment? And, and uh, misguided Peter. Peter was for the, the glory. He wanted the glory right now. Jesus knew the way to ultimate glory was through the cross. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the divine side, but on the human side. Peter, you're looking for human glory. Glory in this life. Take up your cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will find it. This is really hard for us, isn't it? We're like Peter. We want to see glory. And I, I hate to say it, but there are people who call themselves Christians who get hooked on glory. They want glory, and they even say, you can have glory in your life. You can have prosperity because God wants to bless you that is, if you give a little portion to me, God wants to bless you and make everything swell for you. This is being preached in certain, in certain churches. And it's, it's a false gospel. It doesn't take into account the cross and what God accomplished on the cross through Jesus. So what do we do with this? We know back in the, the early centuries of, of Christianity, the first century, there was a lot of suffering going on by Christians because they didn't cooperate with uh, the prosperity of the empire. They didn't cooperate, so they were being persecuted. Some Christians were. Let's look at three levels. The three levels of today's gospel. The first level is when this happened right when jesus told the disciples for the first time this is what must happen to me there's that level then there's the level of when the gospel was written down when mark's gospel was written down we think around 60 or 70 a.d you know 40 years after the death and resurrection of jesus what was going on? Some, some scholars think that Mark <clears throat> was written in Rome. And what was going on in Rome? Christians were being persecuted. Uh, perhaps the reign of Nero, horrible persecutions of Christians. Was that going on? Christians at that time went against the empire. The empire wanted to extinguish Christians. So there's that level. You kind of kind of understand how that would, uh, Jesus saying, would have appealed to them. They understood, yes, I understand. We're suffering. We're picking up our cross and following. We are saying who we are, and by saying who we are, we're suffering. 
It's one thing perhaps we still don't do today is acknowledging who we are in front of other people. <clears throat> There's today's, and then the third level is today's. Today's situation. Now, we're really not being persecuted as Christians. We can come to worship. We have a, a beautiful, lovely church. No one's trying to burn it down. That's happening in some parts of the world, by the way. But not here. We can worship as we please. We have this wonderful country where part of our liberty is to worship as we please. And, and we get along with, with culture around us, right? I, you know, in fact, uh, culture, American culture, would kind of looks at itself as, as Christian. You know, we say we're, we're a Christian country. Some people say that. Not sure that's true exactly, but some people say it, but at least it's a Christian-friendly country. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of trouble you're going to run into by saying that you're Christian. So what does it mean to pick up the cross and follow Jesus in today's culture? What does it mean to deny self? We have to be careful with that. I mean, Jesus never meant for uh, someone to have, uh, you know, the kind of poor self-esteem where someone gets run over. That wasn't Jesus' way. Jesus was healing for people like that, healing for women, for men who were cast aside by culture. He healed them. He restored them to community. Jesus is not about us having poor self-esteem. Jesus, if, uh, if we have a poor self-esteem problem, Jesus would want to lift us up. So what does it mean to lose self, to give up life for Jesus <clears throat> in today's world? There is, um, the world around us defines us. It does, yes, our everyday world. It defines us as perhaps how we're productive, if we're productive. Are you a productive person? Do you contribute to the economy? Um, we, we look at what's the example uh, that's presented to us on commercials, right? Uh, beautiful people, people who are strong, people who always get it right there's a standard there it's like we're always falling short i think right we're always falling short of that perfect standard well you know what jesus knows us through the waters of baptism in the waters of baptism god sees us and says this is my child this little baby is my child I see in this child a gift for culture. A gift that I see that's defined by me, by God, not by what others think. And so we are called to be a, a community of baptized folks who don't judge others by their beauty or by their potential 
to make wealth, but as a beloved child of God, forgiven by God through the cross of Jesus. I think so many of, um, so much of, of, of this kind of prosperity gospel that's being preached, it, it neglects to look at the cross and what Jesus did for the, on the cross for us. The Apostle Paul says, we are reckoned as righteous through the cross of Jesus. These gospel preachers, prosperity gospel preachers, don't really look at that. In fact, you know, some churches, I shouldn't be critical, some churches don't even have a cross because, you know, it's an offensive. It's an offensive symbol. We might turn people away. It's a horrible symbol. And yet, that's the center of our faith. We look to the cross. We don't look to ourselves. We are people of the cross. Our glory is assured to us, but our glory is something that comes from following Jesus, from following the way of the cross. <clears throat> I heard a story about an intern, a, a, a pastor friend of mine, who would, when he did his internship in Seattle, he was at a church where there was a millionaire back then, this is, you know, 40 years ago, a millionaire who could have given plenty of money. He could have given a lot of money to the church. And of course, you know, that's a problem when you have an individual church and one person gives a lot of money because then other people don't pick up the slack and after that person leaves, there's nothing left. So he knew, and the pastor said, you know, please don't give a lot of money because that's going to discourage other people from participating in the financial stewardship of the church. So what this millionaire did, what was so valuable to him was his time. He was a, like a CEO. His time was very valuable. So as for following the cross, what he would do, instead of giving up a lot of money, which wouldn't matter to him, is he gave up his time. He came and taught confirmation on Thursday afternoon. A very valuable time. A time when he could have been making a lot of deals and so forth. He gave up time. A beautiful example of the way of the cross. Giving up ourselves in order to follow the cross. This is what we're about. <clears throat> and perhaps the best example for us today in this world is stewardship. Living our lives generously, knowing, uh, taking care and responsibility for every gift we have, right? For our finances too, to make sure that our family is taken care of, but also to have room for others in the community and in the world. The life of stewardship is the life of denying self, taking up the cross and following. The life of living generosity. Knowing that Christ has given himself for us. And we give ourselves in turn 
for the sake of the cross. The new covenant, Abraham talks about the covenant, the Apostle Paul talks about the covenant. The new covenant is something that Christ has established with us. And we respond in turn, not because we have to, but because we do it gratefully, because Jesus has defeated the power of death and sin for all time for us. And we, in turn, respond by following Jesus, taking up our cross, living the life of stewardship. The covenant is assured when we eat Jesus. We become who we eat. Come and share in this meal. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>